Welcome to the Lead More Podcast. I'm your host, John T. Meyer. The Lead More Podcast is the show where we learn from the great leaders of today to help inspire more leaders for tomorrow, because I believe the world needs more leaders. And in this episode, just before our election day here in America, I sat down with two South Dakota representatives, Aaron Healy and Kelly Sullivan. Aaron and Kelly are both just finishing their first two-year term in South Dakota House of Representatives and are both running for re-election here on Tuesday. I sat down with him to ask, what have you learned about yourself as a leader by serving in the House and by being a politician? What's the hardest part? What was the biggest surprise? I also asked them each to describe each other's best strength as a leader, which you won't want to miss that answer. And then lastly, we asked, what's your hope for South Dakota? How can we make South Dakota a better place moving forward and having more leaders stepping up and running and serving and representing the voices of our great state? So it was really fun. I've never had a two-person guest, so it was fun to have two folks and to sit down and talk leadership. So enjoy our conversation here with Kelly and Aaron. All right, welcome to the Lead More podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John T. Meyer. I'm so excited to have a double episode here today, or double in the sense of double guest. Uh, I'm here with Aaron Healy and Kelly Sullivan, both representatives in South Dakota, House of Representatives, and uh, professionals here in Sioux Falls. How are you guys doing today? So good, John. I'm so glad to be here. Good to see you. And how are you, you Aaron? Pretty good. Yeah, thanks for having us today. You bet. You guys are, what are we now? This episode will drop on Thursday, but it's Monday today. So you have what, eight days until election? How are you guys feeling? Eight days. I'm, not that I'm counting. Um, feeling pretty good. Um, I'm a little upset about the snow, um, but nothing that we can't work through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely ready for it to be over, to be honest with you. Um, but I think I'm I mean, I'm feeling as good as one can feel in a race where you have no idea what's actually <laughs> to happen at the end. So I'm, sure. I feel good. I think Keely is feeling good. I was going to ask feel- you guys that if like as a citizen, I definitely am kind of ready for it to be done. I didn't know as a, as a, as someone running, if you were like, Oh, I wish I had more time. I know Aaron, you said you were still getting your, your papers together, but before this call <laughs> to some, some work here, do you wish you had more time or you just like, I've done what I could do. And, and now we wait and see. I have been out since uh, middle of June, knocking on doors and talking to voters. And uh, my district has been pretty lobbied um, pretty hard by all of the, um, all of the people running for office these days. Uh, so I think they're ready to be done as well. Um, and it makes it hard at the door when they're just kind of sick of seeing us. So I'll be out until the end, but, um, I am definitely feeling the, um, the fatigue of, um, just, you know, um, so much information, um, that the voters are getting from all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from national down to local, right? And so to set the Mm -hmm. stage for listeners, we have Kelly Sullivan is a representative for District 13, just served your first two-year term. Aaron, a representative of District 14, also just finished your first two-year term. So you guys are in a different second rodeo this time. How is it different, Kelly? How are you preparing differently than you were two years ago at this time? I mean, I think this time just having it be my second rodeo. I already kind of had an understanding of what needed to be done. Um, This is a different race in what's happening with COVID. This is a different race and that I have, there's 
you know, three other people running for the House. Only two of us will win. One of them is a Democrat, and a, you know, a great candidate. The other two are Republicans, one of which is an incumbent um, who, I mean, just has had success in her running um, without having to do a lot of work. And so um, I think, I, I, I mean, it's technically anyone's game. I think I do have the advantage in, in also being an incumbent and being a young voice. Um, but I, I still don't think there's any shot in hell that I'm going to win Lincoln County. I think I'll lose Lincoln County like I did last year. And I'll think I'll, I'll, I'll likely win Minnehaha County. So hopefully I just have enough to push me over that edge. Um, you know, two years ago, I only won by 80 votes and one of my opponents did zero campaigning. I think he had a couple of yard signs and a ad in the newspaper. So, um, and you know, in this time it's, it's a different game with having other people actually making an effort to run. And, you know, one of my opponents had a, um, endorsement from a, you know, federal candidate, a statewide candidate, and that doesn't really happen in the legislature. So I, I think it's going to be a tough race. I don't think that it, I necessarily have it in the bag, but I'm feeling pretty confident, I think. Good. Hopefully. All right. Fingers yeah, crossed. You have a, I live in your early. district, and it is a really, if you think about the size and the demographics, it's very diverse in terms of how it stretches across Sioux Falls. It, it, it is 100%. So it'll, it'll it, we'll see what happens. I don't know. And how about you, Aaron? I mean, yours uh, has been uh, also made some news and for, for other reasons, probably not the best reasons, but uh, we had some people, like you said, from the outside really trying to uh, influence or pay, take a part in, in your race. So two years later, how do you feel about it differently the second time? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I, um, it is very different running as an incumbent, more people know who you are. Um, and then you also have, um, you know, the resume to back it up and the work that you've done and, uh, the issues that you're focusing on and the proof that we, um, Kelly and I both are just looking at being common sense legislators who want to do the right thing and who want to research well and really understand, um, what our district wants. And I think that we've made, both of us have made that super clear. Um, so it has been an easier run. Um, it's been more difficult just because nationally, uh, there's just been a lot of um, partisan politics that we've seen. So I have felt a lot of heat at the doors when um, Republicans um, or and sometimes independents have found out that I'm a, I'm a Democrat. Um, so that's been really difficult. And um, all you can do is just be kind and thank them for their time and head on out and down the road to the next house. Um, but yeah, there has been um, a negative postcard um, sent out on behalf of the Republican, the state party chair of the Republican Party. Um, I think he is just feeling, um, you know, like he that typically District 14 has seen Republican legislators and um, my district would be an easy district for him to pick up that seat that um, sure. that has been held by me. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. And, and this show at Lead More definitely is not a show about politics. We've had a Republican, we've had a Republican governor, we've had a, a former uh, Democratic senator on the show. But so I really want to focus more on leadership uh, today. And I think part of where that starts, though, for you two is, is you actually end up being very unique leaders in our state, just given our history, right? Because you are female, because you are young, and because you are a Democrat, we don't see a lot of that combination out in peer. So let's start, you know, 
usually we do an origin story with the guests, but I want to hear because maybe your guys' paths are, are, are similar or, or maybe not, but two, three years ago, whenever that moment was that you thought, hmm, like I want to stand up, I want to represent the people, I want to, you know, run for office. What, what was that light bulb moment? Kelly, you want to go first? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, like I said, I mean, I didn't really have a history in politics. Um, I just have always worked in nonprofits and just kind of found my my path and what my passions are and figured out, you know, how I can affect our community in a positive way, not in politics. And mm -hmm. I ended up getting, I mean, I got asked, I got asked to run for office. Um, most women are, most people are, are asked to run for office. Um, most women are asked to run for office and they're usually asked about 10 times before they actually say no yes. <laughs> um, women specifically. And I was one of those women. I said, no, 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 I'm not the person. I'm not the person. That's not my game. That's not where I'm at. And I got asked, <laughs> I think they <laughs> down enough, um, where I just realized like, holy hell, like we need leaders. I can be that leader. I can be that voice. I didn't realize it at the time. I just decided to kind of jump in and, you know, see where it took me. And it ended up being a really positive thing for me, I think, for our community, for our district, for our city, for our state to have different voices um, in a place where we really need diversity and we need women and we need young voices. And so um, it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit for me, honestly. Um, and it was a jump that I wasn't planning to make in any way, shape or form a little bit different from, uh, you know, Keely has, you know, kind of had politics in her background and in her mind and um, in her life. And that was just not the case for me. And so um, it, it's been an interesting ride for sure. Cause I never, ever sure. expected to be here. Yeah. Never. I mean, not quite four years ago, you organized the first uh, women's march in Sioux Falls in that January yes. after uh, President Trump was elected. And that was what hundreds of people showed up. Was it thousands? It was thousands. Yeah. And I think up until the Black Lives Matter protests this year in 2020, it was the largest public gathering um, in our state's history. Um, and I think the Black Lives Matter protests actually exceeded that. Um, but it was, I mean, that was a huge turning point for me. I had never, I wasn't even able to speak in front of five people publicly without my hands shaking, let alone, <laughs> you know, 3,300 people. So, I mean, it was just a turning point for me as far as realizing that I did have a voice, I do have a voice, and I had the ability to be a leader and to be, a, you know, on a different path than I necessarily thought I would be on. That's great. So it took a lot of people kind of nudging and poking you and you finally sort of believed in yourself and obviously yeah. you're right. They believe in you correctly. 100%. And I, I appreciate that because it's, I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm like one of the nudgers. I'm like, all right, so we're <laughs> running for office. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you in a couple of months. Are you, do you want to run for office? How about 2022? Are you ready for this? Like I'm, I mean, I'm becoming that person because we need leaders so desperately in this state and we need young voices and we need diverse voices and it's just not, we're getting there, but it's a, it's slow moving. And so I, I've, I've become one of the nudgers. <laughs> great. That's great. And Aaron, yeah. we talked to off air, your story is a little bit different, something that you were interested at the collegiate level, but did you also think you'd run someday or is that, did that take like right time, right place? Um, it, it definitely took the right time in the right place. I uh, always thought I would run. I didn't realize I would be in my early thirties when I, made that jump and that leap into politics. 
but, uh, you know, there's a time for everything and it just, it seemed like the right time. I was also very frustrated with not hearing my voice in peer and feeling like there was a lot of legislation that was unnecessary that normal people just don't care about. And there's so many issues that go untouched and so many important problems that we have to solve in our state. And I think Kelly and I um, both were able to recognize that and um, use that when we were originally running for office uh, as, as a reason why we should be elected. Got it. Interesting. So you guys go out two years ago and, you know, the, the joke is always, you got to go to pier in January uh, for anybody listening outside the state, not the, not the, like, you know, no tropical destination. And uh, it's kind of out on the prairie and it's cold and it's January. Um, you guys first get there, help, help the listeners understand, like, what is it like, you know, how do you, do you, is there any prep work? You just basically show up and you learn on the go. Uh, you know, I know that the schedule is Monday through Thursday. It's January, February, and into March. Uh, it doesn't lend itself too well for young professionals like yourselves in terms of schedules and traveling, commuting, jo- jobs, if you have a family. So just help us help us kind of understand two years ago what you guys were going through when you first showed up. Who wants to go first? I think, I think we were given a, a two-day training. Is that right, Kelly? Two days or one and a half. Uh, So you really don't get too much before you're just kind of thrown into it, but you really just need to learn by, uh, by being there and by being present and paying attention. Uh, There's just, there's so many rules to follow. There's so many ways that, um, you know, how committee is ran and how you even address the committee chair, how you address the uh, members of the house when you're speaking on the house floor, um, I don't know about Kelly's experience, but there, it was, it was, it's very difficult to get used to at first, but then all of a sudden you do kind of get in the swing of things. And I think by the end of the first year, Kelly and I were both feeling pretty good about understanding protocol and uh, there's still so much to learn. I'm, I mean, I have the rule book right here at my desk with me. <laughs> uh, so it's not like I study it every day, but the better you know this rule book, uh, the, the more, um, the better legislator that you are really. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as soon as we got there, it was just, you're just kind of thrown to the wolves and you know, I was really fortunate in both of the committees that I served on where I had, you know, colleagues that helped. I mean, they would just, we would chat after, you know, our first few committee meetings and they would give me little pointers and that was Democrats. And I mean, there's only one other person in my party on our committee. Um, And so it was Republican colleagues that were like, Hey, like that was a great question. Or just like Hmm. getting that encouragement from colleagues to me was huge. I mean, it was hugely important in just like giving me that confidence I needed to ensure that I was there and doing the job that I should be doing. Um, but it, it was, I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy going into that world. Um, Cause I mean, I'm in the hospitality industry. I'm not in, you know, I'm not a business professional. Like it, that was a completely different world for me personally. And it was, um, what do they say, Healy? They say um, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase in, is when you get there, it's like drinking out of a fire hose where it's just blasting at you. It's a ton of information. Um, 
But I mean, fortunately, as you know, polarized as I think politics can seem in our state, in our country right now, in the world, um, there's a really there are great leaders that are in peer and those are the leaders that are helping their colleagues along at the beginning and like, you know, kind of showing us the ropes. And because if, you know, if I'm better, the whole legislature is better. And I think that that's, you know, the feel of it with most people that are out there that are there for the right reasons. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure each week you would come back and just feel a little bit more confident probably than the week prior and just kept gaining some experience there. Definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, the first, our first session was a whirlwind. Once, you you know, we had that experience, then you're able to think about what kind of bills you want to bring the following session. You're able to do that research. You're able to talk to people. You have those contacts that you didn't have before and how you can learn about certain subjects and really dive in and make sure that you're bringing bills that are going to be good and logical for South Dakota and for the majority of South Dakotans. So, that first year, it is a whirlwind because you just, there, there's just a lot to learn. There's just a lot to learn, you know? Um, let's talk about that. Cause I think the average uh, person, probably me included, assumes that most of the work happens January through March in session. And then you get to kind of pause and come back next year. But I know that's not true. What, Aaron, what happens year round? How do you be a legislator in June and August, September? Talk about that. Well, this year is very different because of COVID-19. So, uh, but not a day goes by where you're not thinking about a task that has to be completed for uh, our legislature. So uh, for instance, I've served on two mental health task forces that meet once about once a month. And we are constantly trying to figure out ways to make mental health more accessible in our state and talking to the stakeholders within um, our communities to to really make sure that when we get to that committee hearing, we can run smoothly and get the work done. There's also a lot of people who have reached out to us. I know um, a lot of us in Sioux Falls have heard from our constituents about not getting their unemployment benefits uh, when COVID hit. So we've, I know I've been helping them. I know Representative Duba has helped a few people. Kelly's nodding her head. So it looks like she's probably helped a few people. There's just so much different work. And then there's always the typical, hey, here's a bill idea. I'd love to chat with you about this. I actually just had a call last Friday with a constituent of mine who's interested in some legislation regarding disability rights. And there's just always something to be done, but that's what makes the job interesting. And that's what keeps us moving forward and propels us and gives us ideas as to what we need to work on when we're, when we're back in session. Um, any talk of, speaking of COVID-19, what's it going to look like in the upcoming session, assuming, you know, you guys both uh, get elected again and, and go back anything or maybe not given maybe where South Dakota's at right now. I think that's a question we don't necessarily have the answer to yet. I know that our state has been working hard on getting technology in order to make it um, make this kind of uh, situation available and peer so that if there are people that are in a vulnerable state, we do have older folks that are in the legislature that serve, you know, serve in different staffing positions in the legislature. And if those folks are not, you know, comfortable in being actually in peer, I know they are working on that. Um, 
which I, I, I hate the thought of it, to be honest with you, because I think that so much work gets done in just like face-to-face conversations. You bump into someone in the hall, you see someone, you're like, oh, hey, I got to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I dread the thought of doing um, our session, um, our legislative session via Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really do, because I just think that there's so many personal connections that happen um, in the hallways and and I think that's so important in getting work done. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I don't know. I mean, I want to be safe. I want to keep my my family safe. Um, and you know, as we know in South Dakota right now, we, you know, aren't necessarily taking the proper steps to ensure the safety of our entire community when it comes to COVID. So um, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm a young, healthy lady, um, and I'm you know not as concerned for myself in getting sick. It's just more about the community, and so. It'll be an, it'll just be interesting. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. CBD. Yeah. That's how everything is. Right. I've heard some rumblings that, you know, maybe we're going to have 50% online, 50% in person. Obviously nothing is set in stone. I don't believe the rules committee has met yet or executive board have met yet to really determine what it will look like. But Kelly's right. It's a lot of work where you actually need to be present and you need to be there and the conversations that occur and just being in person. It's just it's just so much better being online. It was was really strange being online for the special session, but Mm. uh, most of us were some of us were in person. Kelly and I both chose to stay home and to work from our computers just because we wanted to be responsible and mitigate the spread. And it just is just a different world. It's, it's just harder to get things done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to hear both of you say that. Cause I think where my line of questioning was headed was, you know, COVID by no means is, I mean, it's been uh, a disaster. I mean, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's hurt people in so many different ways. And, but there are a few of these silver linings of some ways where we've realized like, Whoa, maybe, maybe technology does work. Maybe remote work is okay. Maybe I had a, a family friend of ours say they did their first conferences for their kids. And they're like, it was great. It was like way better discussion. It was super quick. He said, I was like having, having my beer off to the side and doing conferences with my te- with my son's teacher. Um, so I didn't know if there'd be any of it that would actually make, you know, maybe not going to peer always uh, a requirement, but it's interesting to hear you both say like, ideally so much happens outside of that room in the hallways, maybe at having a drink that evening, everything else. That's where a lot of the work gets done, I guess. Yeah. Really, just the- yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're both a strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it really, I mean, that face to face and obviously, you know, as we've seen, I think how many companies in the world were like, well, we can't do, we can't do work from home. And now they're all doing yep. work from home functioning really well. And that's awesome. And I appreciate that. And I love the technology, but when it comes to, I mean, we're making policy, we're writing law that is going to affect a lot of people. And when you aren't able to have those conversations with people and those discussions and get that information and meet that lobbyist in the hallway and, you know, learn the other side of the bill or whatever it might be. I mean, it's just, it's a whole different world when you can't do that. And so, I mean, I certainly hope that we can, we can be in peer in January. I want to be, I am going to do what I can to be, even though I, you know, it is in the middle of desolate South Dakota in the middle of winter and it's freezing and you have to drive in the snow, but it is 100% worth it. And I will do it every single week. And I hope that I do. 
Good for you. That's great. Um, so one, one kind of core tenet of this show is that, you know, leadership really teaches a lot about ourselves and sometimes exposes our, our best side and, and sometimes our worst side, our strengths and our weaknesses. So being leaders for the last two years and, and, and even prior, but uh, Aaron, what have you learned about yourself as a leader in, being in these last two years in peer? I think really what I've learned is the importance of listening to others and learning from them and um, listening to, you know, constituents and lobbyists and other legislators and um, regardless of how they feel about the legislation you may be introducing, why their opinion matters. Um, I've also learned that sometimes it's best to maybe be silent and to not speak up on certain issues. Um, I don't know how really to explain that, except uh, when you when you talk too much about certain issues, it may be more difficult to pass certain <laughs> certain bills. Um, and sometimes it's best to allow others to speak up and for their voices to be heard um, and take the back seat uh, during during those times. You're not in Kelly. Kelly feels the same way. Yeah, I think I, thought, I think that was really well said. And I know we're talking here. You know, your question was about like our personal leadership and what we've learned about ourselves. And I, I mean, I've honestly learned that as well. I think that it was a great point to bring up is. It is so important as a leader to listen, to step back, and to survey what's happening before you actually just jump in. Because I think it can be easy, especially in a position like the position that we're in, being in the legislature, being in government. I think it's really easy to just immediately jump on something, jump on a subject, immediately stand up and use your voice. And that was actually kind of part of my, you know campaigning initially and it's and still is is stand up engage use your voice and sometimes the best way to use your voice is to listen and to not necessarily be the loudest voice in the room but to step back and see like what you need to do in order to actually be the leader that's necessary yeah that's great very episode one of the show we had governor dugard and he talked about you know when crisis happens and how to lead during crisis at first starts with listening and just taking mm -hmm. in the information, gathering the data, hearing the people and the constituents talk. And, and so, yeah, that's great. Well, um, that's so in go government too. I mean, when we're, I mean, we are a citizen run legislature. I mean, our, our job is to represent our constituents. And I think that doesn't always happen in government. And I don't think that necessarily, you know, and I think it's just, Lord, we need more people to listen. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. I mean, at the, from top down, right. All the way to the national level for sure. Taking a quick break here in our conversation. I want to say nothing about lead more podcast. I actually just want to tell you to vote, vote wherever you are, however you can vote early, vote online or go down on Tuesday and vote. This podcast is about leadership. Leaders make their voices heard, but I want you to make your voice heard too. So make sure you vote. You're not voting just for yourself for today. You're voting for tomorrow, for your kids, for your future kids, and for a better world. So make sure you go vote. Okay, now back to the show.
You know, so it's, it's, it's actually really uh, encouraging to hear you guys kind of talk about your experience of like having these conversations and, and, and maybe some of the senior legislators being great kind of mentors and coaches. Uh, because I think what we do see in the news or here outside of peer is just this divisiveness and, and uh, you know, just the line is drawn and there's no, there's no conversation type of thing. Uh, but the question I wanted to ask both of you is mathematically, sometimes, you know, politics is a, is a numbers game. Uh, you guys are underdogs almost all the time on almost every single issue in your your current uh, state of things. So how do you keep kind of the headspace or the mindset? I mean, I don't want to use a sports analogy here because like, in, you know, in a sports match, maybe any given, like, what do they say? Like anything can happen on the field, right? And then the underdog can can win. But how do you, how do you guys, uh, Bill's coming up, you feel very strongly about it. You know, you don't have the numbers. Aaron, what do you do? Well, I think my early learning advisory council is a really good example. It's a common sense piece of legislation that a lot of people in our state care about. Uh, a lot, everyone cares about early learners and the fact that we don't have, um, you know, enough resources for working families in our state. We, as Democrats, being the minority, have to introduce common sense legislation that, um, you know, uh, that we can work by with within a bipartisan effort. Uh, we do get support from a lot of Republicans, but there's just not enough support to to pass some legislation. There's no appetite for it. And again, early learning is a really good example. Uh, so I think what's important for us to do is to only focus on those areas. Um, and not necessarily our, and this is going to sound bad, and I hope the party is not mad at me for saying this, but to not focus on the Democrat, uh, the our party's agenda, because we just simply can't do that. And it wouldn't be right for us to do that as representatives, because we really do need to focus on representing all of our district and all of the voices that we, all the people that we talk to. Uh, so I think the more that you learn who lives in your district and the more conversations you have, you are able to bring good legislation because you know exactly what they want and what they're focused on and what matters to them. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be, and I appreciate everything that Healy just said, um, but I it can be difficult sometimes when we are the minority and it is really difficult to get good common sense legislation passed that is going to benefit South Dakotans. It is frustrating. It's difficult. I mean, I've had days to be honest with everyone here. Um, I've had days where I've gone in my car in the parking lot and cried for mm. 10 minutes, got my cry out, got my emotion out and went back in to do the job. Um, but it, it is, it can be really difficult that not, being able to, you know, feel, you feel sometimes like you're not getting anything done um, because there is common sense legislation that can't get passed. But something that I try to focus on when I'm feeling like that, or when I'm, you know, seeing that happen is the calls that I get from constituents that are, that say, thank you. Thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for bringing that bill. Thank you for fighting against that bill, whatever it might be getting those calls and those emails from constituents that really feel like their voice is being heard and they haven't felt that way before is what gets me through fighting all of those bills that I, we don't necessarily have support on or that we're not necessarily going to pass is just knowing that we're giving people a voice that have felt voiceless. 
That's great. And I yeah. didn't mean to suggest that it's a walk in the park because <laughs> it's totally no. not. Yeah. Um, it's not at all. It is really difficult. And, you know, there's, there's been, um, Kelly and I have had so many, com- we were roommates in Pierre for the past two years. So we've had a lot of conversations and a lot of glasses of wine or bottles of beer where we <laughs> have these conversations and, you know, we were able to, um, talk about the day and our frustrations. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, but, but I also think that we, have the right moral compass in in the direction that we're going and knowing that we're doing the right thing and that's why we are continuing the journey that we're on yeah and maybe that this is a perfect segue because what one thing i wanted to ask you that we hear a lot probably from folks like yourselves young leaders are like well, I'm not going to run because like, I won't be able to get anything done. Right. Like, or why should I, I'll just get frustrated. There's red tape. There's all these committees. There's so if someone's listening to this and, you know, I think you, you acknowledge that that part of some of that is true, that, that kind of stereotype, but also you hear one person say that you're, you're making such a big difference. So what do you tell someone who's listening thinking, nah, I'm not going to run. Cause I, I can't make a difference. What, what would, I'm sure you've had those conversations. We tell them to run, run, <laughs> run for office. Don't run in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's how they yeah. feel. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, ex- I was that person. I was that person where I was like, oh my God, no, like I'm not doing that. Absolutely not. Um, those are the people that we need and we're not going to see the change that we want to see in our state unless those people run. And I, it's, it is just so vitally important that we find a better balance in Pierre. I would never want our legislature to be the opposite. I wouldn't want there to only be 11 Republicans in the house. That's crazy. That is not reflective of our state. And so the only way that we are going to see a, a legislature that is actually representative of the people of South Dakota is if we get those people to run it because it does make a difference. And like I just said in, you know, in the last question is it does make a difference when you are making a difference to a single person that feels like their voice is being heard. That alone makes it completely worth it because I've had struggles with this. This politics is not something I ever thought I would be in. It's not the game I thought I would play. And I struggle with it sometimes in being in politics because it's, it's not really me, so to speak, but the fact that I am a voice that is being heard and that is affecting people positively, it, it makes it completely worth it at the end of the day. So I run, run, (laughs) call Aaron, call Kelly. That's great. Aaron, what do you say? I'm sure people have asked you that same question. Yeah. I think Kelly really, uh, you know, (laughs) really summed it up nicely. Yeah. She nailed it. Um, it's, um, we just need more people who are willing to do the right thing and, um, have common sense and care about meaningful legislation. And, uh, none of the legislation that, uh, has really burnt up our time and our energy. That's, that's, what's really difficult is those bills. They, they really take time away from our meaningful legislation that we really should be focusing on. And that actually makes a difference here in our state. So I would encourage everyone who's thinking about it to run and to, you know, shove that little voice in their head aside because we've all felt that way too, but here we are uh, still managing to make this work and um, you know, to 
I know I hate to use the word fight, but fight the good fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you to you guys. Cause I think it, it's already um, intimidating, but then when you also don't see yourself represented in any shape or format, um, it makes it seem even more impossible. And so really important for, you know, young females like you guys to be out there and doing it. So thank you. Um, yeah. I want to finish with a few rapid fires and we're going to get both of you because these are like shorter answers, but um, we'll start with Kelly. What was your biggest kind of like WTF moment and being out in peer, like so, something that's just like, wait, it work, it, it does what, or this is how it works or just something that seems so silly or like that we would hear kind of inside baseball and be like, Whoa, for those of us who, you know, Okay, so this is really funny, rapid fire. Literally the first thing I thought of has nothing to do with government policy, legislation, anything. I thought of uh, that legislators like to karaoke. Uh, oh. It's a thing. It's like on Wednesday nights at the Ramcota, people go and karaoke and it's like a way to decompress a little bit and like a lot of great conversation happens in those moments. Um, Legislators like to karaoke. That who's was the a, best. A, who's the best singer in beer? Um, I Jamie Smith really kills it. Um, Arch Beal <laughs> as well, which is kind of like a random thing. Um, yeah, karaoke was the WTF. I was like, what? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some shoop. I'm gonna do it, and which I will never do again. That was super embarrassing. Once you realize the lyrics of shoop, and you're doing I loved it. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. How about you? Uh, Aaron, what was something that you were just like, wait, what? Mine's, mine comes from a piece of legislation. So, you know, you when you're thinking of a bill, um, you're obviously thinking of all of the um, proponent testimony, what people are going to say, all the opponent testimony, what the um, the main points that they're going to argue against. And actually, mine came from the early learning education, uh, the advisory board bill that I introduced two years ago. And that was when I was told that uh, preschool apparently um, is influencing the socialist LGBTQ agenda. And that was just a like WTF moment. Like, what? <laughs> what Pushing is this? I've never heard the preschool level. I've never heard <laughs> this before. Um, and so it just goes to show you that like they're um, – there are um, so many wonderful lobbyists in here who will give you correct information and make sure that you are informed on so many issues. But there are a few lobbyists out there, if you can even call them lobbyists, who are just there with um, garbage facts, facts, you know, not real facts, <laughs> um, yep. and information that's just not true. And that I feel is like what we we often find ourselves fighting the hardest um, out in peer. So that, yeah, that was my WTF moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this time I'll go, we'll go the opposite way so that, so that uh, Kelly gets more time to think this time. So I want to hear this is the first time we've ever had two guests on the show at the same time. So Aaron, what is Kelly's best trait as a leader and a representative? She really holds true to herself and what she believes in her values. There have been so many times where our caucus is talking about how we're going to vote on a bill and we might agree to vote one way because of strategy. And Kayla is like, no, I'm not doing it because that's not right. And I'm going to vote how I want to vote. And it's just so impressive that she's able to use that voice and, um, to be that advocate uh, when, and we're, we're all doing the right thing our own way, but Kelly has just such a good, 
uh, moral compass on her uh, and just knows right from wrong. That's awesome. Thank you, Keely. Uh, yeah. I know why you answer the same for Aaron, <laughs> Kelly. Yeah, I mean, Keely has been a person that I've looked up to as a leader in the legislature um, because of just how she handles herself, how she researches. If Keely is speaking on something, she knows it up and down, left and right, frontwards and backwards. She knows everything about it. And you are not going to be able to question what she is saying because she knows it so well. And that is something that I don't think happens enough in peer and doesn't happen enough in our, in our government. People don't know what the hell they're talking about. And if Keely is talking about something, she knows it. And she uses her voice in such an eloquent, articulate, effective way when she is talking about something that matters and talking about policy and talking about a bill. Um, and I, that is so invaluable. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's just an amazing quality and trait to have, especially if you're a leader in government, which Keely is. That's great. Thank you, Kelly. You yeah. know, we love each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I, I think sometimes we don't actually say the things that we really think about the people that are the closest to each, to us, right? Family, friends, coworkers. So I wanted to give you guys a chance to do that. Um, yeah. Okay. So last one. In a, in a year that has been often maybe devoid of, uh, of hope and, and just it's been a challenging, difficult year. Uh, we have the national election next week. We have your gut, you know, the state elections. I want to hear from you guys. What's your hope for South Dakota as we look toward the future? Leaders have to craft a vision. Leaders have to see a future, a better, a better version of today for tomorrow. Um, and whoever wants to answer that one, well, what's your hope for South Dakota for our state? Yeah, um, I can I can start give Keely a, a moment there. I I mean I my hope for our state. I I mean I'm feeling really optimistic about the upcoming election. I always do, <laughs> <laughs> whether I should or shouldn't. Um, I am feeling optimistic about it that we're going to get some really good leaders um, elected, and I think that's a really important um, piece of making sure we have a great South Dakota. Um, my hope is that the leaders that we do have and that we do elect um, will be just that, that they will be the leaders that our state needs. Cause I don't necessarily feel like, and I think a lot of people in our state don't feel like we've had the leadership that we need. And I think if we as leaders can just be real and look at the tasks at hand we have a chance for South Dakota to get out of what we're in right now because we are not in a good place. And unless we do what is needed to be done instead of what maybe someone thinks should be done, um, I think that we have hope. But I, I tend to be, like I said, I tend to be optimistic. I have, a, I think that we might, we might swing a little a little left for a minute and like find the balance that is necessary for good leadership in our state that covers all of the ground. That's great. Aaron, what, what do you hope for South Dakota? Yeah, I ran and I know Kelly also ran so we could serve others and do what's best for people. And uh, we understand that there's so many people who are just not in great positions that they're, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that um, people are suffering. And I mean, even pre COVID people were suffering and 
leaders need to pay attention to the problems that we see here in our state post and pre-COVID. And I really, I, I want to echo what Kelly said. I think we need to focus on what's best for the people and not what our party says and not what um, nationally, what we're focusing on on a national level, but just what's right for the people. And I just want everyone who uh, we will continue, because I, I believe we will make it back in, that who we will continue to serve with has the same passion for people that, that we do. Well, thank you for both of you. Get I'm, you know, thank you for your time today, but also for your time in, out in Pier. I know that serving isn't, uh, um, you know, it's not a high-paid gig. It's not. Uh, it requires a lot of time, a lot of effort, uh, and but I know you guys both have a passion for it, and you're doing it, doing it well. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And yeah, Aaron, it's, remind it's us. It's a hard uh, job, but it's fun. <laughs> good. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. it should be fun. It is I'm fun. sure. From a leadership standpoint and just a life standpoint, the, the growth and the learning opportunities, I bet, in two years have been tremendous. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I'm a completely different person than I was two years ago, and and I think the best ways. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, Same. I know um, for anybody in District 14, we have to make sure they know uh, what day we can vote, since there's been um, some <laughs> confusion on that front. What day can we vote? You can vote now, actually, downtown at the Minnehaha Election Center, um, 220 West 6th Street, I've memorized that. So you can actually go now. Now can be your election day. But if you want to wait until the actual election day, November 3rd, um, check out your precinct online. If you have any trouble uh, figuring out where you go to vote, you can you can find that information online. Perfect. Yep. Well, good luck to you both. And thank you again for the time. I know you have some busy days ahead here for about one more week. So um, good luck. And thanks again for thank coming so on the much. show. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. See you guys. All right, and that's the end of our conversation with the representatives Aaron Healy and Kelly Sullivan. Thanks to them for their time and, of course, for serving regardless of your political side, your political party, your political stance. We just need more great people who want to step up and to lead. All right, now remember, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook at John T. Meyer. You'll learn more about upcoming episodes as well. You can check out leadmorepodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And lastly, if you want more great content around leadership, we have a community to support you and wherever you are in your leadership journey, just beginning, thinking about it, or far along, check it out. It's called the Lead More Community, and you can find more at leadmorecommunity.com. All right, we'll see you later. Talk with you again next week. Until then, be well.